Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 45 of the Leadership Window podcast. I am Patrick Jinx, leadership and strategy coach and president of the Jinx Perspective. We coach mostly nonprofit leaders and their boards and their staff teams on things like strategic planning and leadership development. And one of the reasons we're able to do that is Leadership Systems Incorporated, where I got my coaching training and certification. And we're going to hear from Dr. Jim Smith himself in just a few moments. Jim has been on this program. He was our guest on our second episode back in October, and he's back with us again today. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have Jim on is to talk a little bit about the programs that they offer well, they offer them to everyone, but they offer special exclusive discounts for listeners of this program. And uh, in fact, before we hear from Jim, let's hear a little bit from our podcast sponsor, Leadership Systems, a little bit about those programs and their discounts from Michael Wallace. Hey, this is Michael Wallace with Leadership Systems Incorporated. And on behalf of LSI, I want to say thanks for supporting our friend Patrick Jinks and the Leadership Window podcast. We've been partnering with Patrick for many years, and we are so proud to have him represent us as an LSI certified executive coach. As a mutual friend, we'd like to offer you exclusive rates on some of the same training that Patrick has received over the years, as well as some new experiences that we've been developing. Head over to leadershipsystems.com jinx to see the upcoming training events on our calendar and register today to keep learning and growing. Again, that's leadershipsystems.com jinx, J-I-N-K-S, for exclusive pricing on LSI's virtual and in-person training events. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Michael. And we do appreciate Leadership Systems, not only for offering discounts, but just for offering these training programs. Having been through a lot of training at Leadership Systems, I can tell you it's it's worth the full price, uh, but uh, we certainly appreciate the discounts that they give. And um, again, I, if you ever go to that webpage that Michael just talked about, leadershipsystems.com slash jinx, please know that if any of the dates are coming up a little too quickly on you and you don't have time to plan for the next event that you see listed there, check back on the page periodically because they change those dates. They offer those programs over and over. And it, it might be once a month. It might be in a couple of months again before a particular training program rolls around but check back on the page or just give uh give me a call and and i'll uh nail down a date for you for the next uh, program we we appreciate them doing that dr jim smith is the president and founder of leadership systems incorporated he's also on the jinx advisory the jinx perspective advisory uh, board and a coach of mine and just a dear friend Jim is the real deal. I can't have, can't think of a you know higher caliber, more world class expert in a field to bring on than Jim, and I really appreciate it. One of the things I appreciate so much about Jim through the years is his relationship. He, he seems like he's related to or knows everybody. I think I've said that out of three hundred million people in the United States, I think Jim knows about two hundred and seventeen or eighteen 
million of them. Uh, so uh, he, he has connected me certainly to a lot of people and a lot of good content and a, and a lot of good friendship and connection. Jim, thank you so much for all you do uh, at Leadership Systems and, and certainly for the Jinx perspective and for me and your friendship and, and specifically today for carving out some time for coming on and sharing some more great content with our listeners again. Uh, Patrick, thank you. Such a joy to be with you. What a teammate you've been over the the decades now, uh, as well as a code learner of mine, a collaborator. And uh, as I've mentioned before, you've probably taught me as much as I've been able to share with you. So it's been just a great team effort walking with you over these years. And thank you so much for your kind words. One day I'll start believing the stuff you tell me um, uh, about about uh, my teaching you things. I've certainly learned a lot from you. We have co-learned some things together. Some Indeed. some some of them through some really interesting experiences in in Absolutely. working with folks. So it's been great. It's rich. Uh, I I have learned an awful lot and grown an awful lot. You know, it's amazing to me how. I don't know, you, I think you get to this stage several times throughout your life, but I've been in one of these mindsets lately of going, wow, I really didn't know much 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, I really did 20 years ago. I sure didn't. And 30 years ago where I thought I knew everything, I didn't know anything, but I've grown a lot, uh, in, in the, certainly in the time that I've known you. Well, you're kind, you know, as I think about, uh, the last uh, now 35 years, almost, uh, 37, and I've watched the leadership world grow and change. You, podcasts like the Leadership Window are, and a lot of other tools out there now are so much, so helpful, so much more available than they were in my day, which was uh, before coaching was even a word. And uh, that happened in about 1995. Coaching was really applied to the corporate business and nonprofit sector for what we do. Prior to that, it was kind of seen as feedback giving, and we would just give feedback. But now it's become a, a real uh, identifiable profession that is uh, growing like crazy. But thanks for podcasts like The Leadership Window that can help people get spooled up much more quickly than in the early days. I think you're right. And, I, and not only is it more accessible for people to get content, but it's much more accessible for people like me to deliver content. You know, I mean, podcasting and videos and, yeah, you, it, you know, you can do these things on your own without spending millions of dollars to have some big, you know, IT firm or right. videographer firm come in and do things for you. So it's pretty cool that way, too. The difficulty is it, how do you get heard in this sea of noise that's out there now? There's anybody has everybody has content out there. And so that's that I think that's the downs, not the downside, but the challenging side of it is how do you rise above all that and, and get heard in your platform? Absolutely. You know, I'll never forget back in about 2000, I went to a large law firm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And, you know, it was before, you know, internet was really effective. It was a lot of uh, sort of channeled out uh, data if it was recorded at all. And, and they were just now first having the ability to uh, broadcast and sort of a, a setup or a link. And I went in to do my presentation on leadership. And they said, by the way, you don't mind if, if Dallas and uh, New York and Houston and Atlanta are also in. And there were four screens in the room and there were groups of people on all those screens. And I thought, man, that was a first for me. And now it's becoming so much more uh, commonplace to have this sort of expanse and, and reach and your reach is significant. And we're just honored to be on your team today and enjoying some of the folks that you get to uh, 
deliver too. So thank you again. Yeah, we're excited about it too. Um, it's funny that when you mentioned the four screens and the, you know, this global conferencing, I mean, people are everyday people are that's daily life. Now we sit, you know, in our shorts on our back porch and connect with all over the globe on our screen right there on, on our phone. If we want to, it's, it's unbelievable. Booming away. That's it. And, uh, and we, we are extending our reach at the leadership window. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, Jim, but there's a, um, there's a site called Feedspot, and uh, there's a link to it on our podcast page. In fact, but Feedspot ranks different sector, uh, uh, podcasts and for the nonprofit sector, they rank the top 20 podcasts based on interest and listenership and connectivity and who's downloading and subscribing and such. And uh, we came in at number nine uh, just a few weeks ago on Feedspot's top 20 list for nonprofit podcasts. So we are, our, our reach is growing and we're grateful for that. So beautiful. speaking of the technology, much of this training that you all deliver at Leadership Systems, you've had to be like everybody else and transition to virtual and make technology give access to the people to things that they wouldn't have access during a global pandemic. And so that's caused quite a shift for you, I'm sure. How, how is, you know, I've been to the, um, what you're now calling the practicum. Uh, I've been to that many times as uh, a learner and as one of your table coaches. And it's a powerful, powerful program. It's highly interactive. And there's so many different types of um, stimulus that you use so that you hit people of all learning styles. People who are visual, got something for you. People who are logical and like it in writing, got you covered. You know, you like to hear it or you like to practice it and get your hands in it, got you covered. How much of that has changed with the virtual delivery now? And I'm sure there's probably some pros and cons to how you're delivering this over a virtual platform. Well, thank you for mentioning that. You're right. We've had to uh, present more virtually because of uh, certainly COVID and just the the change in the culture. It's become so much more you know required. So you know the benefits would be accessibility. We now have a virtual platform that allows us to take the training of one half of one day, another half of the next day, and it gives people the accessibility so they don't have to travel. And uh, we. We used to love to go around the country, around the globe. We delivered our training in Kenya. We delivered it in Canada. We delivered it in uh, probably 10 major cities and had a great time doing it. But now people can join from anywhere. We had a, a guy from uh, Israel on the last call and the time before that, someone in Ireland. And so, you know, we, we really love that uh, capability. The, you know, other positive is you still get to meet and network and connect with uh, key people that are about the same spot or similar spot to where, you know, the, the other trainees might be going through the coaching learning. Uh, I remember a tremendous learning uh, experience for me back in 1999. I went through my first coaching training uh, years ago and uh, I met a colleague from Atlanta who was getting into the coaching business, much like I was and was a similar age manager as I was at that time. And anyway, we began to just compare notes and he began to share with me and I learned tremendous amounts from him, even as much as the training. And so that's a, a real valid part of the kind of people that you get to meet as you go through this training as well. That's a great point. I mean, we've always said that about conferences. I've been going to conferences for decades back in my United Way days. And uh, probably the, the most value you get out of most conferences, 
is not what happens during the sessions. It's usually what happens between the sessions at lunch with someone, or maybe it's during a session, but it's in a tabletop discussion with people that you've never met before. And you may, I've got friends today, oh, good friends today that I connected with at conferences and it's the relationship. And so the learning become the learning transcends the conference. It goes way beyond the conference in that case. So that's true. Um, the, uh, we'll get to some of the specific, about what those training programs include and maybe even get uh, see if we can uh, pull some of the samples of the content for our, our listeners. But you sure. said so, you said a word a moment ago in talking about virtual delivery, you use the word culture and how it's become a part of our culture. And I'd love to get your your feedback on this. I, I have a little bit of a concern that it's now become too easy uh, to just stay in this virtual zone and, you know, people say, well, we're never going to actually, there is no normal now. You don't get, we're not, I hope we don't go back to normal. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know why I <laughs> kind of there normal was there is physical connection and touch and this, you can't really fully replace that virtually. Um, but I'm wondering from your experience in some of the corporations that you're working with, and I mean, everything from the military to the, to the big companies and small ones alike, do you see it coming back or do you see people just now sort of getting stuck in this virtual and uh, it, you know, are there some cautions that you have or may, maybe you feel completely differently about it and feel like it's definitely the direction to go, but I'd love to get your perspective on that sort of returning to the in-person stuff. You know, Patrick, what we have seen is because of COVID organizations at the top of some of the most big blue chip companies in the world. And I had the pleasure of working with several really put a, a stop on their training and their development. So if you're a, if you're a manager, if you're a potential coach to be, if you're just wanting to grow in your leadership and as, as they were as managers and it all stopped, then yes, there's some things that we learned to the benefit. We learned we could be more virtual. We learned we could do things without the long commutes. However, uh, now that it's the culture seems to be reopening, what we're seeing is people are rather stuck in their uh, leadership development. They have not had to practice their people skills. They've not had to get in the, the mindset of the other person. They could just kind of do it all with email or, you know, hopefully on a Zoom call. And now they're having to be back in, in their presence. And so what we're seeing is a difficulty uh, re-engaging. And uh, uh, so some of our coaching, it lends itself to really being in that moment, really listening, really being able to uh, use your, your eyes and your ears to read the situation, which is very different from the virtual listening and interaction. So uh, I think we need to play some catch up. And many of us that, you know, have been traveling less will have to get better at it as the days ahead. And so that's part of what the coaching lends it, coaching training lends itself to is, first of all, this real uh, astute connection with the individual, with where he or she is, really understanding and learning from them where they are, not only sort of in the moment as you make the initial connection, but what is their issue or challenge and where do they need to move? And so, again, this flows right into what coaching is and what good management is if you really do that well. Yeah, as you were talking about um, people now being stuck, I've even noticed 
and maybe maybe it's just uh, I'm think I'm noticing this, but I but I do think I'm noticing that even on many of our Zoom calls, and I've you know facilitated and or been a part of just countless of them like everybody else, more and more people leaving their videos off. Mm-hmm. And just a black screen on the, and so now not only are you in, in a virtual conversation, but half the people in the room you can see and half the people you can't see. That's right. That's right. And I'm just wondering what this is doing to the psyche of team and, and even, and is just individual relationships with, with people, you know, like we just talked about the conferences and meeting people and forming lifelong friendships and relationships you can't do that with a couple of black screens on a on a computer, you know, with just your name on it, can you? <laughs> Maybe you can. I don't know. You know, it's a fair question because for some personalities, that's a comfort zone. That's yeah, a that's right. Place, place for them to retreat. They like that. And, you know, many of them, if we would all be honest, are multitasking or at least trying to. And the reality is there's very little, you know, being learned in the moment and probably very poor quality multitasking going on as well. So what they make us do in terms of these high end corporate um, Zoom calls is every 10 minutes, we must do some sort of a uh, survey, some sort of a uh, interaction piece to be sure they're, you know, responding. And Mm. man, that just really makes it more challenging for us. And I think it probably gets a little old for them compared to the in-life, in-person, intern learning that we like to do at Leadership Systems. So uh, one of the neat things that we get to do on our trainings as well is people can come if they're, as you said earlier, if they learn by the written word, we, we give it to them in writing. If they learn by observing, we have a role for them to observe. And then many learn by doing, so they get to do. And then they get to learn by assessing and and giving feedback on the learning, which is a whole nother way of approaching it. So they get to learn in several different perspectives, keeps it fresh and keeps it from, uh, from being lost and left to the seminar. Uh, you may not know this off the top of your head, but uh, maybe you have a sense of how many people, as you think, just even through the years that you've offered the, the LCT and now the LCP, the, the leadership coaching practicum, what percentage of the people coming to that would you say are looking to be coaches as a profession? And so they want to learn coaching and get certified in coaching so they can be a coach versus the number of people that come because they are leaders in organizations and they are trying to up their game and add to their leadership skill repertoire and just add a coaching skill set to their existing management toolkit. Is it 50, 50? What do you, what do you get most of? Yeah, it's about 20 to 30% future coaches that want to learn the model and make an application to being a coach, either internally as an HR person or externally as a professional coach. Mm. And then the majority are coming as just managers to be better managers. And they are smart enough to know that this managing by coaching is something that's here to stay because of the rapid change in our culture, because of the knowledge explosion, because of lots of reason. Uh, this model of coaching has never been more relevant and will even be more future relevant than today. So uh, that's the breakdown. I think at one seminar we did have a close to 50-50, but usually it's about 20 or 30 or coming to be coaches. That's a little bit less, less common. So if you've got 20 or 30% looking to be future coaches and the others looking to add a toolkit to their management, how do you put all of those in a room together 
are the tenants exactly the same for both of those? What What's different in terms of the learning and some of the tenets of coaching between the two categories? You know, Patrick, the tenets are identical. So the, no change there. The application is a little bit different, and we will talk about that briefly. But the tenets are, you know, first of all, you got to have a model. And uh, most common model for coaching is people, what's your model? And most commonly they say, well, I have the sandwich model. You know, I tell them something positive and then I smack them and then I tell them something positive again, <laughs> right. you know. And I encourage them to please leave that sandwich at home. We're not going <laughs> to use that. And we have to get into this coaching model of really being in the mindset of focusing on the coachee. Now, it's true, as you can see, the transition getting into the mindset of focusing on the employee as a manager. So too many managers come in and they end up making a decision or push a point and say, well, that's what you got to do because as you know, I'm, I'm your boss. And that's uh, doable, but the motivation, as you can imagine, is very, very low. However, the manager that comes in saying, well, I do have a couple ideas, but you know, they're a little dated and you know, I did them when maybe I was in your seat, but what are your thoughts? How would you, solve this you know who's close to the problem me or you okay you are so what would you do and then we give the strategy and the steps around how to get that employee to most often solve his or her own problem and let me tell you that has never been before so critically needed with the rapid change of the world and the need for ownership and empowerment and buy-in and all these things that we hear in the buzzwords today mm. So solving your own problem. That sounds like work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, compared to the manager doing all the solving and then he or she invites all the monkeys, invites all the responsibilities and everything's on the manager's plate. And of course, we get to coach in real life, those managers too. And guess what their number one problem is? Too many monkeys, too many things to do, can't get it done, overwhelmed. Yeah. So we begin to coach them on how to, again, do the, the model by delegate and put it back when possible in the employee's hands. And so that's how the model works. And we usually have people walking out going, I've never seen it quite this way. And I'm pretty excited about trying it out. Well, I, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm picturing the model in my head, by the way. So for our listeners, Jim, Jim's model is a, for those visual learners, there is a visual to it as well. And so you can look at it as a cycle. You can look at it as a funnel. You can, you know, read it in narrative, but I, just to give an example, Jim, if it's okay, Please. one of the things I love about the model is it doesn't let you just go, you know, coaching to, to me, there's still a lot of people out there who they really don't still know what it is. And one of the reasons they don't is because this isn't to insult anybody, but there's a lot of people out there saying they're coaches. It's kind of like, I always say it's kind of like digital photography. When digital photography came out and, and people learn how to put watermarks on their photos using Photoshop and they go to Best Buy and they buy a Canon Rebel and suddenly they're a photographer. And sure, you are, you're a photographer, you take pictures and you might even offer to, you know, uh, do it for, for money. But then there are photographers, right? Who have been trained and honed their skill and have experience and have an artful eye and know how to like run their camera on manual rather than automatic. 
And coaching kind of got the same way. When it became this sort of started to become popular, well, anybody and everybody could just put up a website on WordPress and say, I'm a coach. I'm a health coach, a wellness coach, a life coach, a career coach, a leadership coach, a whatever coach. They're all over the place. And so people don't understand quite what they are. And I've even had people say, okay, so let me get this straight. So coaching is just asking a bunch of questions, it sounds like to me. Like, you know, anybody could be just sit and ask questions. Is that what it takes to be a coach? Just, you know, hey, what do you think? And now I'm a coach. And you, and you, what you want to just, first you want to strangle them. And then you want to say, no, let me show you the model. Because the model actually has a construct to it. For example, the very beginning of the model is connect. Don't jump into trying to coach someone before you've even made a connection with them. Like there, mm-hmm. this is a personal thing. It's a one-on-one you're interacting with a human being that has emotions and thoughts and, and needs and, and concepts and perspectives. And we're just going to jump straight into, okay, so let's talk about the, let's talk about it without ever making a connection. So a small, tiny little teaser example of the model that says, you know, there's a process to this and it's not just asking questions can't wait to hear from you in a minute on on breaking that down how it's not just asking questions but that's the introduction to the model is make a connection and what a great place to start well well said and even even before that if if you will the mindset of wanting to do some coaching with this individual is pretty critical and that's where a lot of folks get stuck because they walk into the moment already with a pre-concluded idea where they want to go they already know the answer. So mm. they're going to do it very differently than, as you said, make a good connection and try to pull something of value from the coachee, a solution or a steps forward or something like that. So the mindset is so critical. That's the first big major shift that most people mm. don't have. And they come to the training and it takes them, you know, about a day to really get it. <laughs> and once they do, it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing that they come at it from that day forward with a different mindset. They do. They walk, you walk out of that. I'll speak from experience. I remember walking away from that. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the matrix, but the, the, the people who understand that they're actually living in a computer program, they have these special glasses that they wear and they see life in code, like, like all this garbledygook on a screen. But to them, they, they look at that and they see, the picture. And it's kind of like when you get this mindset, it's like you have these new matrix glasses and every encounter you make with someone, you're in this mindset of drawing from them rather than pushing onto them. That's it. And you really, you really do see it. Like you, it becomes, it's amazing how in a day and a half or two days of this, which I think is just speaks volumes of how you've put this training together it's amazing in that short amount of time you walk out truly with that mindset. You know, Patrick, I've done a lot of other trainings along the way because being in the business for, you know, so many years, uh, some new training comes out or some new certification and, and I get it because I want to be a professional and have everything is necessary, uh, not only to learn, but to do comparisons. And quite honestly, some models are out there that are so developed that they are, are not even memorable uh, because they have too many steps. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, ours basically has three. People do a real good job with the three. I think that's essential, but I think it's also sufficient. 
I'll never forget one guy who came from uh, Ernst & Young accounting firm, and he said, you know, this model is amazingly simple, but infinitely complex mm-hmm. because it's simple enough to grasp, but it's complex enough to deal with multiple applications, even into the future, which is something we're really excited about because the culture is moving so fast and is so future focused. Coaching is really about where they're going next and what their next steps will be as they go back to the workplace. It's not a bunch of digging back into their past or, you know, pushing to them some theoretical model, but it's really helping them deal with what's coming up. Yeah. So, okay, Jim, coaching, I mean, I've heard you, you make it sound and look easy. I've, uh, you've coached me. I've watched you in front of audiences do a real life coaching demonstration with someone who's willing to step up and, and uh and get coached and you make it look incredibly easy and you ask questions and it's things like you know you of course you you make the connection and you you use a lot of the you know what do you think about this and what do you think about that and where are your challenges and what have you tried and what do you what do you think you could do next and it sounds easy sounds like oh so you just ask questions how do you, what's your response to that? I mean, I, I have a sense, obviously, I do this too, and I learn from you, but I, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, what, what's the difference? Why is it more than just asking questions? Yeah. So 80% of the model's power is in the mindset that I'm really interested in that person. So I'm curious, keyword, and you'll, that'll come out a lot of the seminar, the training. So I'm very curious. I'm very curious about what they have tried, what they haven't tried, what they might try, and what they're going to try. And so that fuels a lot of the questions, but often make the statement in the training that your knowledge is still valuable. Your knowledge is still useful. But as a manager and as a coach, what would happen if you let your knowledge inform your question rather than your answer? That is a turning point for many people. They don't lose their knowledge. They don't just, as you said, set it aside and just ask, okay, what are you going to do two or three times? But it's like, okay, uh, given, you know, A, B, and C, what I have, I believe I've learned about this job, what do you think about this? And then you pose a very significant question. So we offer also categories, or if you will, kinds of questions to alert the coach to switch lenses, as you've taught me as a great metaphor in photography, I'll switch a lens maybe from what does he or she need to simply get out loud and articulate to what's in the way. That's a very different question. So that helps them pause and think about, well, why am I stuck? What is keeping me from what's obviously a good step to take? And then that's often where they make movement And they come back and tell me, wow, that one question changed the whole deal. Thank you for that. And how did I get there? I was using some of my knowledge to inform my question. Yeah. Another, there's so much, obviously we could talk about, there's a, there's a day and a half worth, as a matter of fact, of uh, things we could talk about that. And then some, I, I have, I think everyone that's ever heard it finds it incredibly intriguing, fascinating, and um, compelling as to where you got the classifications of questions that you ask the, you know, the, the significance questions, the challenge questions, and um, your, your college work 
uh, your PhD work or your, your doctoral work, I should say, uh, had a little something to do with that. I'd love for you to share with our listeners just the brief, the brief story of where that comes from and, and where the master coach model actually originated. Sure, love to do it. Uh, first of all, I did my uh, master's work on accountability as a measure of success. And everybody, was a big day of in the 80s, you know, accountability is everything. Well, yeah, that's a big part. And if you can get people accountable, then, you know, you'll get some results. So I helped focus on accountability. And I began to see even then, Patrick, that so much of accountability is lodged in my willingness in my willingness to be accountable, to mm-hmm. share my goals, to share where I wanted to go. So I began to see that, you know, some of the success wasn't just in the manager keeping a good list and coming back to the key deliverables. That's part of it. But the other part was what's in the the employee's heart and mind. And so to get to that, as I was uh, actually just reading some scripture and studying the, the real master, Christ, and I began to be fascinated that he asked so many questions, 306, by the way. And so that was my doctoral work focused on what are the kinds of questions Jesus is asking? And not always the literal question, because the literal question has a context and it would be appropriate for that context. But for instance, one of them is simply articulation. He would simply ask people very obvious or fairly obvious questions so that they would articulate it. They would speak it out loud. And that was became the number one category of the kinds of questions we ask. What is it that the coachee or the employee needs to say? And it sounds so very simple. Well, it is, and yet it's profound when you ask them what is in the way or what is the solution or what is it that you're actually trying to accomplish or Could you help me understand what happened last week at two o'clock? And as you begin to coach them about some specifics, they begin to get to a new place. That's where we got the model. That that right there is so powerful because I cannot count the times that I've had a coachee that, that I've, if I've been successful in getting them to articulate something, something real simple, but something that it's, that's at the heart of it, but they say it. I can't count the number of times I've heard them say, boy, you know, when I say it out loud like that, it sounds kind of silly or boy, now that I've said it out loud, it seems sort of obvious. How many times I've heard that phrase now that I've said it out loud, how powerful that is. It makes it real. It makes it more tangible. It makes it actionable. And for those of us that are parents, and by the way, parents quite honestly start out well, and then they tend to fail. I'm a father of four uh, grown-ups now, my, my kids, uh, we start well. We say, hey, what happened? Or, you know, Johnny, what'd you do to Billy? You know, we ask a pretty good question, <laughs> kind of an assessment question, and we get the answer. Well, that's a good, good start. And maybe we, uh, we come up with another good, well, why did you do that? Why did you take the toy? Or why did you hit them? Or whatever the infraction is. And we get a pretty good answer. And then what do we do? We lapse into lecture, right? How many times have I told you don't do that? You know, and we go right off the rails and it's all well intended, but the kid just nods and is thinking one thing, I hope this is over soon. (laughs) And that's probably, and you know what? How many employees after our first two questions are sitting there going, I hope I get to lunch soon and this is over soon because they check out this questioning model and this mindset of curiosity keeps them from checking out and keeps the focus on the coaching. That's good. 
That's good. So you don't have to give them all, but what are a couple more of the, the classifications you discovered in, in Jesus questions? Well, I've alluded to another one. I, I, I would love to give them all, but I, the, the second one is, is this um, issue around behavior. You know, we've got them to articulate a few things, but then what, what's their behavior? See, people often want us to judge them on their intentions. Don't we all? The problem is people don't. They judge us on our behavior. So if we were late, the behavior is we were late, and we get them to talk about that, not what they intended about being on time, but what happened about being late. And as they begin to talk about it, it's kind of, as you said, a little bit humorous. They'll begin to articulate some things that you know, you can use as a manager and say, well, what could you do about that? Or what is your, what does a policy manual say? What are the values of the company in regard to that? And then you can ask them very powerful questions concerning that, if you will, failure to hit assignment, or maybe it was something really positive. What would it take to get you to do that behavior again? Well, uh, not much. I think I could do that. I heard you say, I think I could do that. And so that's part of the training. We teach you to really listen to what they say and leverage it back to them. And that's how the needle really moves. Mm. It's just amazing where that, where that comes from. Because, you know, having spent some time in the scripture myself, yeah. you know, hadn't really thought of that. You the thing I noticed about the questions that Jesus asked is that they usually they usually were not followed by any answer. Correct. The most common recorded answer to 306 of his questions is silence. Yeah. They're so, you know, interesting, so obvious, so unnecessary to respond to. There's usually very little verbal response, at least none recorded in the scriptures. Isn't that something that the question is sufficient? <laughs> That's a... Uh, that's a, that's a pretty powerful concept. Um, I, I do want to get onto some other things, but I, the one I think that is my favorite is the significance category. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Well, happy to. And especially as uh, the leader manager gets a little bit older, we find this significance becomes the issue. Now, generally speaking, up until about late 30s or early 40s, life is for most leaders, really about success. Hmm. You're, you're moving pretty fast up the ladder. But about 40 kids show up and you start saying, you know, you know, I'd like a little bit more significance. And so for a 40 and 50 year older to be sure and beyond, generally speaking, uh, questions around their significance can be very powerful and very motivating. And so, you know, sometimes I just pause and ask them more of a rhetorical question. Um, do you have any idea what that means to your team? Or do you, have you really thought about how much that one-on-one might mean to that manager? And they often say no. And I'll say, well, let's think about it for a moment. I mean, if that one-on-one is a turning point in their career, do you find that significant? And they say, yes. Then how often have you been doing that? Well, none. And so I say, well, and they say, you know, that's a good idea. I need to start meeting with them regular <laughs> about regularly about their own development and their plans. And they'll say, that's a good idea. And I'll say, uh, thank you for your positive words, but I don't think I gave you an idea. Did I? And mm-hmm. so what happens, Patrick, you know, I've talked about this when their brain delivers up a concept or when these two ideas sort of converge, they will almost always say to me, that is a good idea. When in reality, I was just asking questions. Yeah. Or they'll say, you're right. Yeah. You're right. That's it. You're right. 
And I'll say, well, I didn't say anything. Right. Now we did say something. We posed a question and hopefully a good one. That's the model. But when they say it's a good one or that's right, I can almost promise you there will be action. There will be movement. There will be unforgettable impact. That's significant to me as a coach. So that's what drives me, but also find it very significant to them. And they'll often thank me. I've had many people say to me after maybe an hour of coaching, they've said, Jim, this has been the most significant hour of my life. Mm -hmm. And I just think, wow, that's such a, such an honor and such a a thrill. And then of course, I want to say, my friend, you need some more significant hours if this was it, but uh, you know, they feel something has really happened inside that they will not forget. And that tends to be true. And you talk about, you know, speaking of, of Jesus, but going even more broad than that, you talk in your training about the difference between the, the Eastern style of learning and thinking and the Western style of getting things done and, and those kinds of things. Just talk briefly about that, because I, I, I don't think that it goes without saying, I think it's important to think about how we're, we happen to be here where we are in a culture of impatience and command and control and direct and, and get it done. And, and I know managers today that would listen to this maybe and go, yeah, that's all great, but I ain't got time for all that. Like I got, you know, I got a job to do. My people have a job to do. I want them to do it. I don't, I'm really not about sitting around asking them questions and you know, their development and getting them to grow and think, I just need them to put the widget on the, whatchamacallit. And that's all I need. (laughs) And, um, but we miss opportunity that way that in the Eastern culture, it's very different. Um, talk a little bit about that just from your perspective. Well, thank you. And you're right. It does have done some world history would probably concur that in the, in the Eastern world, it's a lot more, you know, open to deep thinking, sort of meditative uh, processing things. It's not all action point counterpoint as is here in the West and certainly in the U S Socrates and some of these great philosophers were known for their, what their questions of Socratic method. We know it. We just tend to forget it. I think even the word scholar comes from the uh, Latin word leisure, which was uh, only the scholars had time to sit around and talk about these really uh, philosophical things. And so the people that had the ability to sit around and talk about it in a deep sense, we, we honor them today as these you know ancient philosophers that had so much deep uh, concepts. And so that was the culture. Today, I, I love to illustrate it by my, my dad, uh, Colonel Chester Arthur Smith, that was a a World War II veteran, but he often would say to me of the great generation, son, I asked you a question, therefore I (laughs) expect an answer. Correct. And looks like you had a similar dad and many people did, at least those that are close to the baby boom generation. And it's still the culture in the West. And so I've even heard attorneys tell me things like never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. (laughs) Right rational. We're very sort of ahead of the answer. And when you're in that mindset, it's tough to manage and lead in a motivational way. It's better to be curious and to let that answer just sit out there and the question just sit out there a little bit and then see where they might go. Because there's often a pause And then after I've listened to them and simply reflected back the simple words they gave me, they'll often say to me, you know, you know what else? I'll say, what? That is the gold. After you've done some of this model, 
pause, they'll often say to you, if you'll listen, and you know what else, when they get there, good things happen, creative solutions emerge, and really impact is about to happen. Mm. All right. Well, you are clearly demonstrating, uh, and I, I was hoping to be able to get a little bit of this sort of teaser content to make people interested in these training programs because you cover this and much, much, much more in the programs. Um, talk a little bit about the path and the levels of trainings that people can go. They can walk as deep as they want to with this. And so what is the sort of continuum that you offer and, and the different phases that people can get to and why would people want to go through them? Yeah, thanks. So we have sort of a little a teaser called the uh, master coach seminar that we'll do sort of a one day deal. We can pop into an organization and deliver that if it's an intact organization. Um, most people that want to be better managers and want to take the first step of coaching will want to attend, as you did, our LCT, Leadership Coaching Training. We, we switched that name. My, my colleague, Michael Wallace, said, you know, today's such a practical world. People are all about practice and getting the action. So we renamed it uh, a year and a half ago to LCP, Leadership Coaching Practicum. So, you know, that is the model you've been talking about the most, you come and learn the model and you get to practice it. You get to be with a group of usually a room full of people or a, a Zoom full of people that are doing this. We put you in small groups to practice it. And that's the balance of that uh, two-day training, but it's only parts of two days. It's not the full two days, but that's what we kind of call step one. And then there's a secondary step that if you're really serious about getting this down and, and being more of a coaching manager and more of a professional coach is a, what we call the cohort training, where by then somewhere from three to six is usually the number, have said, hey, I want more. And it's a series of seven phone calls and some homework that we would engage you in. The calls are usually an hour, hour and a half. And then the Subsequent calls would be on a paired up scenario. And then finally, there's this, you know, putting it all together on the next call and seeing how that uh, step worked. And the steps are often, you know, the fine points of coaching. You know, how do you, how do you get the difficult person uh, to move forward? Or how do you get the person on the phone when you're having a hard time getting them on the phone if you're coaching somebody? Or, you know, what do you do with the person that has all the answers? How do you deal with that person uh, when they're, you know, not really coachable? And so we deal with the difficult parts and some of the ethical considerations, confidentiality, things that you just need to know as a coach and you need to know as a manager. One of the things I appreciate about what's happening in coaching is it is um, there's more credibility being lent to the profession in terms of, you know, board certifications and people paying attention to those ethical things because confidentiality for a coach is as critical as it is for an attorney, a doctor, a, a counselor, uh, right. because without without an assurance of confidentiality, you don't have the openness and honesty and without the openness and honesty, what's the point? You know, exactly. you're not going to get anywhere. So exactly. I, I do appreciate that. And and so level two covers a little bit more of, of that sort of thing and and ultimately leads to um, a, a credential with leadership systems as someone who's been sort of vetted and trained and understands that this is more than just sitting around and asking a bunch of and grilling people. <laughs> 
Well, it really is because you want it to have impact so that, you know, they talk about it in a positive way and, and come back and, uh, and engage you when it's appropriate for more of their, their people. One other thing, Patrick, I wanted to add that makes, if you will, leadership systems training a little distinct is that they're really generally two entities in the coaching world. There are some other certifying agencies that are out uh, there, but if you look closely, they only certify. They don't do any coaching. They just help you get this thing called mm-hmm. certification, which some is certainly useful and, and needed, but that's all they do. And then there's coaching entities out there that just do coaching and they're, some are better than others, but they, they focus on coaching. They don't do certification. We're the only entity that I've seen so far, and maybe I just have missed them, that do both. So I can tell you about the you know three-star general I was with last week, or I can tell you about the billion dollar company CEO that was also last week. I can tell you some pretty current real life things and stories and not sharing their story, but tell you that, you know, I'm really engaged at a real senior level with live coaching day to day as is Michael, my teammate, as is many of our other coaches, much as yourself. Um, But we also certify and we feel like we've got the track record to understand and to do it well because we're involved on both sides of the house. That is a great distinction. And the the fact that you do coaching is valuable, not only to the training because you have the, the hands-on experience, but you're accessible if people want to coach. <laughs> and uh, you've got a whole team of adjuncts that can pretty much cover the globe, I think, or at least a good good portion of it. And um, again, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of that team, Jim. And, um, I appreciate your, your coming on. Of course, a lot of the things that you're talking about are things that I already know and have experienced with you, but I, it, I think it's good to hear them from you because you're in those experiences with your students and your coaches and your adjuncts every day, all day, and you're in it. And, um, you know, I think over, uh, 30 years and how many hours now of, of coaching? We're probably uh, heading we're, up. we're closing in on 20,000 20, sessions. I mean, uh, that that's, you know, that's someone you want to hear from. That's someone who's, uh, who's kind of knows a little bit about this stuff. Uh, and Jim, I, you know, I've never, I've never seen you go, go off the game either. Uh, I think when it comes to living a mindset, um, you know, I, just when you and I are on the phone together, you're constantly coaching, you know, well, what, what do you, what do you think about this or how, how might we make this better? Or what do you see that could, and you're constantly drawing out of me and challenging me and, uh, and I appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks again for, for coming on the show. I'd, I'd love to, um, to hear just a little bit as we wrap up, maybe some of the, the big projects or things that Leadership Systems is working on these days. What are the kinds of things that your clients are asking you for right now? What's, what's the big movement in leadership and leadership development from your perspective? Well, thanks, Patrick, again, for your good words. And again, it's tremendous having you as a colleague. Um, so as I mentioned, we're seeing teaming reopen again, team building, but not in sort of the classic you know, uh, circles and squares and X's and O's, uh, sort of basics that you can get out of a book. But, you know, how do you do this in the new day? How do you really be a team with the virtual part-time shared learning, shared office space and all that? And and then how to resolve conflict. We're, We're seeing some projects ask more for, okay, then what is a good process for 
resolving conflict as a as a team and how do I really do that as an individual? Uh, also, we've been asked by several universities lately to help put together leadership programs and leadership uh, fellowships that they might could could advertise to their students and certainly to the parents paying for that education so that they graduate with more than just a degree, but they graduate with a degree plus a leadership uh, certification or some designation that says that they, they've even looked into leadership. That's becoming sooner uh, needed than ever before. Um, and so those are just a few of them. We're going to continue the virtual learning going forward, and uh, we think that's going to, it's probably here to stay. Um, but we're also seeing a a need and a hunger uh, lately for deeper significance sooner. Uh, it's interesting. You talk about the young leaders, and I've had one of them say to me real recently that they really didn't want to grow so much in their job. They just wanted to make a lot of money so they didn't have to work at all. <laughs> I kind of laughed and said, I think everybody's ultimate goal is kind of that. But, uh, you know, you're pretty young to be thinking about that. Well, let me tell you, they're thinking about it. They're not thinking of a long track record that a baby boomer would think about. They're thinking about how to really have that balanced and, and family-oriented life and, and travel and do all kinds of you know, exciting things and have a very successful job. And I can just share with you from my experience, that's a tall order. And you better be well, well trained if you're going to pull off uh, an early retirement uh, that way anytime soon. I think it it will take a little bit longer, but you know, we haven't had to face these issues before till now. So hiring people and the key word would be finding talent. That's what they're coming to us now and saying, how can you help us find talent? We think that's going to be the big issue in the days ahead. That is, uh, that resonates. And I hear that a lot from our nonprofit uh, clients. And one of the things I hear a subset of that is how do we find diverse talent? Yes. Yes. Um, and you, you and I have been a, a part of some projects where diversity and inclusion was sort of at the heart of the strategy and what they wanted to make sure that they achieved. And one of the things I've learned about that is, oh gosh, uh, we don't have a whole episode for this, but the idea that, well, managers will often say, well, I'd love, I'd love to have more diversity for example, more, more racial and ethnic representation of the community that we serve, but gosh, you know, we just can't find them. And, you know, we don't, we don't know where they are. Like we put the app out there, you know, we post it and we just don't get the responses like leadership programs or jobs or whatever. And one of the things I've learned is that uh, to achieve that diversity and inclusion in talent, there's a, there's an entire set of best practice strategies for finding them. And yes, you do have to be more proactive and intentional about finding them. And, um, but they're there. And I hear that a lot in my sector is that not only how do we find talent, but how do we diversify it and bring more people to the table? I hear that a lot. I don't know if that's something you're hearing a lot in the corporate sector. I would imagine it is. Well, it is. It's a little bit shifted a little bit differently. Um, that that's true. And what we're seeing is, I'll give you an example. Here's practical real life stuff, okay? So we're working with a, uh, a large transportation company. The biggest need, as you can imagine today, for all reasons, is drivers. Good, vetted, quality drivers. Well, if you go out like we have for the last 100 years and advertise drivers, even at a very, in my opinion, high 
rate of pay to start, you would think you could get drivers. They can't. So something's wrong with their, if you will, their matrix or their uh, paradigm, or as you would say, their lens. They're, they're thinking traditionally, if I could just advertise enough need for drivers, and if I could just advertise high enough pay, we'd get drivers. That's not working. However, as we've been listening to them, working with them, we're helping them expand their lens. I think you'd call it a wider angle lens. And back to your diversity point, if we can say to them, you know, hey, how about let's look for drivers whom you can say we can help you with balance. We can help you with local driving only if that's your desire. We can also help you with podcasts that will help you get a certification to the next step of being a logistics expert. And now you're talking some, a very different uh, product here than just someone who's pretty good at handling a, a large automobile in traffic. We're talking mm -hmm. about someone that wants to grow, learn and develop, someone that wants to expand their horizons and someone that does want to do short-term maybe driving versus the long-term. And now that we're getting them to talk to us about changing that paradigm and finding a broader solution. Ooh, there's a whole nother episode on that <laughs> whole concept right there. Well, yeah. some might call that competitive advantage too. Like I how, how are we setting ourselves apart from all the other truck driving companies? This isn't just a driving job. It's more, I, I thought about this a while ago when you were talking about motivation, you know, the, the, um, uh, Joseph Grinney and his colleagues at uh, Vital Smarts, who wrote the book Crucial Conversations uh, right, you know, right. years ago, and they, they wrote the book on influencer. And they put it real simple in their influencer model that people do things for two reasons and two reasons only, and both have to exist simultaneously. They want to, and they can. <laughs> That's it. Everything we do, we do because we want to, and we're capable of it. And so f helping people uh, connect to motivations. We've talked a lot about how leaders don't motivate people. All they actually do is take people's existing motivations and find a way to connect them to the work that needs to be done. And, mm -hmm. and that's what you're describing here with this uh, truck driving job. If I can dig deeper into the emotions and the fulfillment, uh, if that connects to what I need done, which is trucks on the road, then it's a win-win. Absolutely. Just a very practical real life problem that's needing to be solved yeah. and is still in process. So to show you the veracity and the legitimacy of what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so our definition of coaching is simply to connect and challenge and gain commitment of a coachee's best thinking, and then align the coachee's values and steps of execution for success. So with a very wordy approach, but if mm. we can help others, right, do those things, then we be, we've moved them to the right target in a, in a much more rewarding, sustainable way. Well, Jim, you've helped so many people do that and continue to do so. I'm amazed by it. I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks again for, for coming on. And you know, you know, you'll be back on again here in a few months. We'll, we want to keep you, uh, keep you out there every once in a while. And, and, um, you're a valuable member of our advisory board as well. And just, I'm just honored to be connected. Thanks again. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, take care. And thanks again, folks, take advantage of this leadership training. Go, go check it out. Really. It's, it's, um, and, and I, I'm not going to tell you it's cheap, but it is inexpensive. 
uh, and particularly when you put it up against some of the other programs you may have seen, this is very affordable, even for nonprofits. And on top of that, the discounts that they're giving uh, exclusively to the listeners of this program. So I really do hope you'll check it out. If you're um, interested in leadership development and investing in leadership development for you or your team, your team of managers, uh, truly, this, this is something that ought to be sitting up there on the top shelf uh, for something for you to be able to draw from. Until then, folks, lead on.